Welcome to Euractiv's AgriFood Brief. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And I'm Natasha Foote. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractiv's AgriFood team. Our top story of the week. In the first ever remote voting session, the European Parliament's Agriculture Committee has approved a negotiating mandate for upcoming talks with national ministers on a transitional period that will allow EU farming subsidies to flow, even without an agreement on post-2020 reform of the Common Agricultural Policy. The main thing is that this two-year-long transition period will push back the coming into force of the reformed Common Agricultural Policy until 2023, this way, MEPs intended to buy more time for farmers, which are also affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, by ensuring the continuation of sufficient support for the sector. But this move was criticised by many environmental NGOs. Actually, they have always criticised the current farming subsidy system and are not that happy with its continuation. And it's also true that the length of the transition period is expected to be a bone of contention even during interinstitutional talks, because even EU Council, so the agricultural ministers, approved only a partial mandate earlier this month, as they were still debating whether to go for a one- or two-year transitional period. But both MEPs and the Council seem motivated to see the arrangements adopted as smoothly as possible. And also, in an internal working document that we've seen, the Commission seems willing to extend by two years, so until 2022, the current programmes in the cohesion policy, which has a lot of similarities with the Common Agricultural Policy. So in the end, it's highly likely that this two years duration of the transitional period is going to pass. And now the goal is to approve the final agreement before the end of June, so under the Croatian presidency. So let's see what happens, and let's move to another news. Farmers continue to report a perceived increase in the use of unfair trade practices, which are imbalances in the food supply chain created by large operators against trading partners with weak bargaining power, such as individual farmers. And a new set of EU rules on UTPs was adopted last year, and it's at the implementation stage at this moment. And this perceived increase in UTPs is due to the pandemic, and include, for instance, uh, pressure on the prices paid to producers, especially for perishable products, but also misleading cases of country of origin labelling. For instance, before Easter, some cases were reported of erroneous labelling of lamb as EU origin when in reality it was from New Zealand. And we spoke with the rapporteur for the European Parliament on this dossier, Paolo De Castro, which confirmed that, particularly in this period of crisis, there could be situations in which who's stronger in the food supply chain set the conditions to the weaker. And lastly, a coalition of more than 40 stakeholders which include consumers group, academics, uh, policymakers, but also big food companies like Danone or Nestle, but also retailers, send a letter to the Commission asking not to load the guard with the approval of a EU-wide mandatory front-of-pack nutrition label. This coalition backs the so-called Nutri-Score, which converts the nutritional value of products into a code consisting of five letters from A to E, each with its own traffic light color. So, for instance, the system assigns a low score to food with high energy content, a high quantity of sugar and salt, rewarding instead the presence of proteins or a percentage of fruit and vegetables. And the system was challenged by Italy, which proposed a battery scheme, which tries to give consumers the nutritional information, but based on the recommended daily intake. 
However, the Nutri-Score is currently the only nutritional label system test in supermarkets, AL, enjoying a timing advantage in comparison to the battery system. So the fact is that this issue of an EU-wide mandatory scheme for nutritional labeling was included in this new farm-to-fork strategy, which is basically the, the EU food policy, which has been postponed. So it's still pending, and that's why the coalition sent this letter to the Commission. This week, we published a special report on how the Spanish agri-food sector is playing a central role in the uptake of the circular economy. Your Active's partner, FA Agro, took a closer look at circular farming in Spain and at the innovative ways the sector is finding to give new life to waste products and create an agricultural system based on reusing raw materials and reducing waste. This is manifesting itself in a number of diverse ways across the country, including how waste from common processing activities, such as olive oil pressing, can be used for biofuel, how shells from almonds are being transformed into a substitute for wood, and how pesticide and fertiliser containers are being recycled into plastic irrigation tubing. Lastly, in a letter to the Agriculture Commissioner, Janusz Wojciechowski, MEPs on the European Parliament's Agriculture Committee criticised the package of exceptional measures proposed by the Commission to relieve the pressure facing the agri-food markets in the wake of the COVID-19 crisis. The Commission put forward a short-term package of market intervention measures on the 22nd of April, detailing the options for private storage aid, which is when products are temporarily removed from disrupted markets to try to reduce short-term oversupply and ultimately restore balance in the long term. And there were a number of other exceptional measures also proposed. The MEPs particularly criticised the measures concerning, for example, cheese-related private storage rules, saying that it should open storage cheeses in all forms and make the minimum storage duration more flexible, depending on the kind of cheese. The letter also highlighted the need for further temporary crisis measures and regulatory flexibilities in the EU's wine sector, which is actually proving to be one of the biggest casualties of the coronavirus outbreak. They said that this would allow the sector to fund a reduction of the maximum yield per hectare and reduce the volume of wine. Our quote of the week this week comes from Norbert Linz, chair of the European Parliament's Agri-Committee. I think, and I mentioned that before, I think the sector has done a remarkable job um, ensuring uh, food um, for all Europeans. The crisis has shown how important the common market is and how bad nationalism is for Europe. We need to work together. Now for the agri-food news from the capitals this week, starting in Germany, where, after media reports on the death of a Romanian seasonal worker from COVID-19 who was brought into Germany to harvest asparagus, Agriculture Minister Julia Klockner has called on Germany's state governments to help protect seasonal workers from the coronavirus. According to Klockner, states must ensure measures are absolutely adhered to on farms, even if it costs time and money. Last week, she wrote a letter to her state colleagues conveying this message and warning that the alternative would be that there are no more workers that come from abroad to help the harvest in Germany, which could mean spoiled harvests or that crops are simply not planted at all. In France, although the highly anticipated EU's farm-to-fork strategy has been postponed to a later date, in France, although the highly anticipated EU's farm-to-fork strategy has been postponed to a later date, Euractive France reports that the current COVID-19 crisis can actually be seen as speeding up the agricultural sector's shift towards food self-sufficiency. 
In the south of Italy, drought is starting to cause major issues. In one of the main national supply basins for Durham wheat, the Capitanata province, it is estimated that the harvest could be up to 30% less this year. Given the situation, many farmers have also decided not to transplant tomatoes and instead to choose to prematurely terminate their contracts with processing companies. In the UK, after the almost complete closure of food service and hospitality outlets has caused a market loss for around 8 million litres of milk per week. More than 2,000 letters have been written to nearly 400 MPs as part of the UK National Farmers Union campaign. The campaign calls for urgent help to save the sector which has been hit so severely by the COVID-19 pandemic. The Farmers Union estimate that already a quarter of all the dairy farmers in England and Wales have been hit financially as a direct result of the crisis. And in Croatia, Prime Minister Plenković said that the government wants to have the national agriculture and rural development strategy completed as soon as possible. The future strategy should be conducive to the accomplishment of the four goals, which includes enhancing the productivity and making the agricultural production resilient to climate change. Belgian potato farmers are facing hardships during the COVID-19 outbreak with a potential surplus of 750,000 tonnes of potatoes at risk of being destroyed because of measures taken to prevent the spread of the coronavirus, according to Belgapom, the Association for Belgian Potato Trade and Processing. Over 500,000 egg-producing hens have been culled in Ireland since the beginning of an outbreak of avian influenza. The Irish Department of Agriculture has confirmed that the impact of outbreak is partially responsible for causing a shortfall in egg supply. The shortage of eggs is being partly replaced by increased imports from the UK and mainland Europe. And lastly, in Poland, according to credit agricole analysts, prices in the food and non-alcoholic beverages category will increase this year by 5.2% compared to 2019 partially due to difficult conditions brought about by drought. On our radar this week, the latest short-term outlook for EU agricultural markets in 2020 report from the European Commission has been released this week, in which it says that despite early signs of resilience in the EU agri-food sector, the expected depth of the economic recession is bound to significantly impact food demand, in particular that of high-value products, animal products such as dairy and export-orientated sectors such as wine. That's all from us this week. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter so that you stay up to speed with all of the latest agricultural news in the EU. This podcast was created by your Active's agri-food team, Gerardo Fortuna and Natasha Foote, with technical support from Malta Kessison. I'm Natasha Foote. Thanks for listening. See you next week.